Welcome to the Master Your Mix podcast, helping engineers, producers, and artists create professional recordings and mixes, even from home. I'm your host, Mike and Davina. Let's get started. Hey, welcome to the Master Mix Podcast. I'm Mike and Davina, and thank you so much for being here today. Today, my guest is Caesar Edmonds. He is an award-winning mixer, engineer, and record producer based out of London. He's worked with artists such as Foles, Queens of the Stone Age, PJ Harvey, The Killers, St. Vincent, Beach House, Two Door Cinema Club, and so many other big bands. Caesar got his start originally working as an intern for the famed producers Flood and Alan Mulder. So in this podcast episode, we definitely get into a lot about that. And we also talk about Caesar's approach to working on music. And that's one of the things that I think I really found as I was talking with him is that he's gotten to the point where he can mix from the gut. So in this episode, we try to unpack that a little bit. And what does gut mixing look like and how do you do it the right way? So with that said, let's get started with this interview. This is Caesar Edmonds. Caesar Edmonds, thank you so much for being on the Master Mix Podcast. How you doing, man? Good, man. How about you? Doing fantastic. Fantastic. Thank you. Thanks for being on. For people who might not know your background and how you got started and how you got into this industry, can you give us a little bit about that, a little of that story and uh, let us know how you got to where you are now? Basically, uh, I went to Liverpool Institute of Performing Arts in Liverpool, Paul McCartney's <laughs> School of Music, which is like his fame school. And I pretty much just went there. And one day, someone just asked me if I want to go to the studio. I went in the studio and I was a music student at that point. And once I stepped in the studio, that was it. Like I just wanted to be in the studio. And like two years later, I think when I was on the degree course, like I just had like someone gave me like Alan's email address, emailed him, say, Hey, can I be? Yeah, Alan Mulder. Hey, can I come over and do some work experience? And he was like, Yeah, sure. Like, sure. We've got like a week or two for you. Should come down. That was about nine years ago. Still haven't left. That's still crazy. haven't left the building complex. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I, that's pretty much my background. That's a, a quick story. I like it, man. <laughs> that it's amazing because it's like you know. I think that there are so many big names out there, and the thought for a lo- for a lot of people, the thought of working for people like that just seems impossible, right? Like you, you would imagine that there's like a lineup of interns ready to go and like you're one in a million, you're probably not going to get a shot. So like, what do you think it was that like got you in the door that quickly? I've no idea. I guess it was just, I was just prepared to do everything. It's not like everything, but like, you know, I was, when I, I stepped in, I was like, okay, I know what here I'm at, I need to do teas, coffee for everyone. Make sure there's like tea for like, you know, you heard like, the story of like flood like you know being in the studio and how he got his name flood because he flooded everyone with a cup of tea like you know and you just go like okay these are like the guys like you know so you have to like go and prepare and it's just like okay make sure like everyone is caffeinated all the time and pretty much it got to a point where it's like 5 p.m alan flood looked at me just like no 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 more coffee we're good we're good (laughs) i love that man you just like, yeah, fuel them up with caffeine and that's all it took. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or crack. Just <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't tell don't tell anyone what was in the drink. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. A few years later they'll be like, <laughs> like, why why do I feel weird when he's not around? <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> that's amazing. It's like that uh it's like that Dave Grohl video that he put out, like the fresh pots thing. Oh yeah. 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 Strangely enough, I think Al Alan was actually there because there was a damn crooked vulture session. No way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He 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 was in there. <laughs> <laughs> I love that, man. Well, well, let let's go back a little bit further because you said that you went to school for music. So you're a musician yourself. What instruments do you play? I played the guitar when I was younger. Pretty much picked it up when I was like ten or like twelve. I can't remember. And yeah, it's pretty much like one of those, like, I want to play the electric guitar. And it was very funny. Like, my mom was just like, no, 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 you need to learn the classical guitar. So like, so they put me to like classical guitar lessons. My granddad used to like bring me to classical guitar school on every Sunday. I would skip it and go play Pokemon cards. (laughs) 
never ever took it seriously until like I started going to electric guitar school and I was just like, okay, great. But then again, it was just like, you went there and you just didn't really learn anything. It was just really about like learning it yourself, really. The time spent, like you practice by yourself and they just go in and just go like, you're doing this wrong. You're doing that wrong. Like that sort of thing. That's cool. So how do you think that your ability to play guitar has influenced the work that you do now? Uh, <laughs> maybe that's why you hear like a lot of guitars in, <laughs> in, in my mixes because I'm like, what are they playing? And I like turn them up. <laughs> Isn't that what they say? Like yeah. you can al- you can always tell what instrument the the mixing engineer plays just by whatever's loudest yeah, yeah. in the mix, right? Yeah, completely. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just keep turning like the guitar. So I can't hear like those notes. Yeah, but yeah, <laughs> uh, I don't know if I, I guess like music uh, musicality just helps. Like you know, just like learning an instrument, knowing an instrument, it just helps. Like with with. Like with with like producing music and it's just like you know and all those kind of stuff. I remember I was in my first uh, my first year as well when I decided I want to do studio uh, work in like the studios, like just record, like be a record producer. And I I went to take like a I went to take like I changed the instrument like the my basic instrument thing. And I changed it from guitar to vocals and it was so uncomfortable. I had to like sing in front of a teacher. I was just like, I don't want to like learn this, but like I'm trying to learn it just to like see like, oh, this is how you warm up your vocals. Like this is like, so you get to like know all like the different like, you know, stuff when you sit down with vocalists, like, ah, you know, just here's a few tips. It's what I thought, but I never really got into recording, did I? But that that's really interesting though. Like I, I do love that that kind of um that initiative of you knew that you wanted to get into this. And so you're like, well, if I'm gonna be dealing with musicians, how do I coach them through their performances? How do I get their best takes? So you actually learn that instrument and a voc- and vocals of all things too, right? Like most people just pick up like a drum kit or a guitar or whatever and you know try to learn that. But like vocals is such a kind of intimate instrument to 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 learn and to to coach people through, right? So I'm kind of fascinated to learn a little bit more about that and kind of what what you learned throughout that process. Uh, uh, what I learned was just, you just have to share fear when you, you're, you're singing. Like if I were to sing in front of someone, even public speaking for me is, is, is scary. So like when I like sit down with a singer or whatever, I just try to make them feel as comfortable as possible, which is sort of like a reflection of like my studio It's just like, it feels like a, a lounge really rather than like a commercial, like as in like a super pro, like I, I, there might be a better word for it, like a sterile environment. So I like, kind of go for like a, huh, hey, come hang out. Like, you know, it's just like, you know, we're here to like, you know, not like have fun, but like, you know, we're here to make records, but like, you know, feel comfortable. For sure. That's a, that's a really big part of it. And I mean, I, I could see it because we're on video right now, but uh, people listening to this won't be able to see it. But, you know, it definitely looks like you're in a very cozy, comfy, small space and, and, uh, yeah, I'm curious to, if you could tell me a little bit about your studio setup. Like, what do you, what kind of gear are you using these days, and and uh, what's that setup look like these days? Currently, I've got like a few. I've got like a stereo setup, and I've got a Dolby Atmos setup as well, which are um, the the stereo setup. I've got like quite a lot of hardware inserts like running through because I'm mainly in the box nowadays because I still can't afford to buy an actual desk not yet (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh, so i've got like hardware inserts for like my vocal stuff and like you know drums whatever i kind of use really and uh i've used like now i'm using like general like one speakers for my stereos and the pmc's 228 i believe and like i've got like a the dolby setup is just basically a digital setup with like general speakers that's pretty much it that's awesome do you find that you're mix you're starting to mix a lot more in surround these days um no it's a good bit of both it's uh a lot of stuff that i mixed last year had to be had to kind of be done in like dolby atmos because of like the whole new apple music like announcement spatial audio which is great 
and it's just everyone's just taking a focus on like, oh, actually, we're gonna we're gonna get this thing set up, like you know, we gonna get these mixes done properly. Yeah, that's Which, awesome. Yeah, it just worked in my favor because, like, at the point, like, I knew it was. I think the technology's been around since like what two thousand and twelve, I think. And like, sort of, I got to a point where one of my friends was just telling me about this all the time, and I was reading up about it. And like during lockdown, and I just got bored, and I started reading. It's like, oh, what's the? I wonder what's the next new phase. Not like new phase, but like you know what's like what's out there. And it just read into this, and then I just went like, oh, okay. It seems like it's getting everywhere. Maybe I should look into it just in case, like you know, because we're all control freaks, and like you know, so like me, like you know. I, I'm I'm a particular control freak, so I like kind of like my stereo mixes. I kind of don't want someone else to be screwing around with like the Atmos mixes. So like I kind of thought like, oh well, if I can do both, win. <laughs> win. <laughs> well, but I it's think purely because yeah, be- because of the control freak problem. For sure, yeah, it makes sense. I mean, if you're working on your mixes, why? send it off to someone else to finish the rest of the like the Atmos mix. Uh, let, let's talk about Atmos for a second, because I think it's it's still a relatively new thing, and it's starting to become kind of thrown around a lot more. I think people are starting to learn a lot, lot more about it, um, and there's probably people that are listening to this that have never even heard of what we're talking about here. Can you give us a little bit of a description of what is the Dolby Atmos platform, and you know why is this a thing that people should be listening out for? It's a immersive like uh, format that is re- readily available for a lot of systems that are not just for like an actual home cinema system that you can actually have like on your phones on on like C- TV soundbars and like you know your Amazon Echo Studio like you know speakers they're all like Dolby Atmos now your your iPhones your Airbuds, like you know, more or less, like the new, the new consumer products are all made with Dolby Atmos in mind. So, uh, that's like a thing where you can have like your mixes, like just just be out there with Atmos. If that if that makes any yeah, sense, yeah, and, and it's basically so like, it's basically yeah. like surround sound, but it's available in a, a stereo format or in a yeah, much bigger exactly. format with like. kind of thing, right? Yeah, exactly. It's scalable, like, yeah, format, basically. And, yeah, it uses very smart technology that I would not be able to, like, explain to you without, like, yeah, without screwing it up. Someone's going to be like, no, this dude, like, he said it completely wrong. Like, he doesn't know what he's talking about. But, like, yeah, I'm sure there's someone that's out there that's really technical that can explain it better than this. But that's all I kind of understand and like, you know, that's why I got into it because you can have it like, you know, in like, it's scalable and like, it sounds, it sounds good. It sounds good. So walk, walk me through that process. So it kind of sounds like it, because it's, because it can be turned into like a big scalable surround system. I'm assuming that you're starting your mixes. Are you starting your mixes more as stereo and then going to like the surrounds, or are you kind of working from the bigger picture and shrinking down? Uh, no, I usually start mixes from stereo because you you usually get like the stereo approved. Because at the moment now, I'm saying this is in 2021. Uh, this is July 2021, and there's no uh, there's no Atmos mastering engineer at the moment. So you're kind of doing like the mastering at the same point of time. So you're matching like the EQs and like the stuff that like the mastering engineer like does to your mix. And from there, so from there, then you just, you just move it into immersive sort of like format, basically. So you move from a stereo to a 3D space, basically. And it's kind of, it's one of those. It's like, it's, kind of it makes sense to me because like you know like i mix those tracks and like being a mixer it just you, you just know like oh this feels right like you know because i've spent like you know the last nine years of my life just like you know just just doing this day in and day out like mixing so it's just it just comes like quite naturally that you're just like okay this this works or this doesn't and like, I think like, yeah, without like, you know, saying anything or like anyone, but like, it's kind of, it makes sense for me 
Yeah. Well, I mean, you as a mixer, you have the vision for the song. So, you know, why not expand that vision and make it into more of a surround setting? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And it's like, it's great when you like see like, you know, people like uh, there was one like mix that I did uh, for. Um, oh, yeah. This one mix I did for the Lethems like um, is uh, I can't remember what's the name of it. It's uh, how beautiful life can be. And Spike had makes like the single mix and like I've done like most of the album, but like I sort of like, I understood like what he's going for and just like, you just, you just understand like, because like for the love of the game, as much as you say, it's just like, you know, how people mix differently and stuff like that. And so you just, just try to like, try to not go crazy on their vision and just go with it. That's cool. Yeah. It, I mean, it's definitely a new technology that people should be paying attention to as it becomes more and more prevalent and people start to, to start to utilize it a lot more. And, uh, and anyone who's listening to this, there was a little hint that I think you dropped in there, which is like the super niche to get into, which is being the, the mastering engineer for Atmos. If you figure that out, it sounds like there's a good, good market there to, yeah. to jump into. <laughs> yeah. But like, if, if you, if you, I have no idea how would you do that though? Because you've got like 128 like objects. If you have like 128 EQs and compressors, like analog, <laughs> like that'd be fucking like yeah, it's, crazy. It's certainly not going to be a very analog friendly format. <laughs> no, no, definitely not. You're going to have to like start mastering on consoles just because then you have yeah. like all the channel strips, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. But uh, you still can't probably do it because it needs like all those like metadata on like different tracks, like where they placed and everything. It's actually a very frighteningly smart technology. Yeah. I, I, I've only recently begun to look into it and yeah, a lot of it just goes over my head, but but I know that it's becoming literally because there's like speakers yeah, on top yeah, of your no head. pun intended. Yeah, but, <laughs> <laughs> but no, that actually works out. <laughs> that's awesome, man. I, I love that you're the, you're like really on like the cutting edge of it and just trying to jump in while while like it's still new and 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 doing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. That's I, all. I think you kind of have to because it's not like. Um, it's sort of like, you know, new things are like, is new toys are great. <laughs> you kind of have to keep trying. If not, like, what's the fun of it, really? We're here to, like, kind of, not like, you know, it's, it's like, yeah, we're here to enjoy ourselves in life, like, not. Like, we, I think that's why so many people become, like, gear junkies is because, like, it's fun to have toys to play with. So when a new tech, when a new way of mixing comes out, and and it involves a lot of toys because you got to get all the speakers and all that stuff. Like it's a pretty pretty fun way to get into it if you're a gear junkie. Like <laughs> <laughs> definitely, I've Christ, I've got like a speaker problem. Like I've with all these like with I've now got like a seven point one point four setup, and with my stereo speakers and everything, I probably have like about. 22 speakers or 24 speakers wow. i can't remember the exact amount but i might have a problem <laughs> <laughs> so you know what and like, the problem is more speakers i need more <laughs> no <I'm> just kidding <laughs> but that actually that actually brings up a really interesting point and i and i think that one of the issues that i know a lot of people have when it comes to their mixes is this concept of translation and getting mixes to translate across different sets of speakers and I know that like sometimes sometimes it's hard enough just like when you're working on one pair of monitors to get a mix to translate. But then when you have like in your case like 20 something speakers, you have now so many more options to to mix on and I imagine that it somewhat gets confusing after a while to figure out like what that translation is actually like what that actually means, you know? So when you're when you're mixing how do you go about making sure that your mixes will translate across different sets of speakers? Or like, what's what's the best way for people to go about that? If like, should should they be listening on multiple monitors? Like, what what's that process look like for you? Uh, I would say so. I would say so. They should like try to like just check it on as much systems as as they can, really, because like you know, you just check it on like your iPhone, your earbuds, your earbuds, your your. Your speakers, your like, you know, your step, your cast, this cast stereo test has been around for like, you know, everyone kind of does it, I guess. 
that sort of thing. But I think like it reveals something that you you like can't. It's also it could be like a mental thing where you're just like you're so focused in something and you just you just focused on something that's so much that you can't hear anything else. And then once you take your, yourself away from that space, and then you're just like, oh, actually, what was I thinking? Gotcha. But with so many speakers sounding so different, how do you know, how do you learn to trust what's actually happening inside of your mix? Uh, I, I'll say that like, there are speakers that like pair together well and like speakers that don't pair with each other well. Like, you know, like I, I don't know what like doesn't pair really well, but like before the Genelec once I had like ATCs, SMC or SCM twenties, uh, the old kind, the Mark twos and they with my PMCs, and I really, really love them. They good combo. They just work together. The ones and the PMCs, they work well together as well. I like you know every time like I switch like those speakers, like they sort of like they do somehow complement each other. There's not like I don't know like it's very hard to say like what speakers that I like yeah that like you put up and it's just like whenever you change you're like whoa what the hell <laughs> yeah. If if that happens, then you're probably like, uh, probably just like don't 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 get those two <laughs> together. So it sounds like you're you're kind of just looking for speakers that kind of fill in the gaps of each other. Like if if one's missing some low end, you're gonna go to something that has a little bit more low end and compare it that way. Yeah, a little bit more, not like insanely. Like it's just like, whoa, what what am I listening to? Like sort of like that kind of. I think that will that will throw you off like more than not. For sure. I, I think that's a really interesting point, too, because I, I think a lot of people do go for some like kind of polarizing sets of speakers or, you know, they'll they might have like, let's say NS10s, for example. And then they're like, well, they don't have much low end, so I'm just going to get a subwoofer. But subwoofers can be like way too much. So you kind of need something that's like kind of that in between. In between. Right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Let's shift gears a little bit and let's talk about your mixing approach and, and a little bit more about your process there. When it comes to starting a mix, what is your mindset going into that? And like, where do you start? How do you start? Do you normally have a, a similar process that you follow every time? What's that look like? Yeah, uh, my my process is just listening to the rough mix and just trying to see like what's good about it. What's like, you know, what do I need? what can I try to fix and like, you know, not try to fix, but like, you know, what, what can I, what can I improve on? And like, what can I, what can I go? How can I bring like, you know, things to the table that like, you know, necessarily is a bit different from like what is there. And like, you know, just usually like, that's how I would approach it. Just listen to rough mix and just go like, okay, I think this, 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 this. So like first listen is kind of like very important to me. It's just like, you know, it's just like where you naturally like, you know, just think about it. Don't, don't like, don't stop yourself. You just think like, okay, I'm going to try to do this. I'm going to try to do that. And like, you know, it's just instinctual, I guess. So you're kind of coming up with a bit of a game plan based on like your first listen of that rough mix. Yeah, pretty much. And then pretty much then with like the next like six hours, I'll be battling it. It's like, <laughs> it's like, why won't you fit? Why won't you fit? <laughs> it's, it's like Jenga. It's literally like Jenga. Yeah. Well, especially too, when you're listening to the rough mixes, there's often a lot of good stuff in rough mixes. And when you hear that, I mean, you want to do your best to like recreate that energy. And sometimes it's like, it's kind of dismantling what's already been done and, and like kind of reverse engineering it. Right. Yeah, completely. And some people have like, uh, I guess like they, they, not some people, I mean, they stop at where they, they are at for a reason, sort of they, they're in the room together, the producer, the, and the artist, like, and the recording engineer, they're all there. They're all present and they, they stop there for a particular reason. And you just have to like try to like understand that and like, you know, try to like see like, okay, great. Like that's a snapshot. Let's try to move it forward from there. That's a really good point because it's like people aren't just half assing a, a rough mix. Like they're, they're, putting it together to the best of their abilities and then they're stopping when they think, okay, this is actually sounding pretty good. So then they're coming to you saying, make it sound better, but preserve a lot of what we've kept here, kind of, right? Yeah, exactly. So they, they just want everything off the menu. <laughs> no, just kidding. So, yeah. 
Yeah, <laughs> yeah, which is like the which is which is a tough thing to do, I guess. Which you just try to like preserve like the energy and like give it a bit of like you as well, which is kind of sometimes it's hard, sometimes it's easy. Like depends on the content, really. Sometimes it's just like you know, I guess like sometimes like yeah, tracks like when when it comes to you and it's just like it's so natural that you just go like ah, I know exactly what to do, ba 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 ba, and it's just like yay, or like sometimes you could be like. Like, yeah, you could be nailing your head against the wall. It's just like, ah, I don't get it. <laughs> There's days like that. There's days like, you know, hey, it's great. Five minutes, not five minutes, but like, yeah. I love that though. I mean, it's it's good to hear that, right? Because I think a lot of people just assume that, you know, when you get to, to like your level that mixes are just easy. That just happens, right? And like, there are... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't tell everyone <laughs> there, there are certainly those no, days where it's a challenge and and i think that that's actually one of the things that keep a lot of us actually active as mixers in this industry like one of the things that we love about it is that like it is that kind of puzzle and it's kind of dismantling certain things and trying to refigure like figure out how, how do they do that like how do i create that and and going through that exercise actually will make you a better mixer in the end because once you once you've cracked that code it's like that's that's a new new tool in your toolbox and like you can always go back to it right yeah yeah for sure so another question that i always love to ask people is in your opinion what makes a great mix uh, a great mix is oh <laughs> a great mix is a mix that you don't you don't listen to it technically you listen to it with you you yeah you a great mix is when you listen to it and you think like whoa like that's a great song you don't think about the mix interesting yeah that's what that's what i think at least you just you 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 turn your head and it's just like wow that's a great song you don't turn around that was a great mix oh yeah it's like does it matter if it's a, like it could be like the world worst mix but it's the vibe good like you know it's like the feeling good and like stuff like that which is like what i think like you know the the song is important like you know so like yeah i always say like i think like it's got it got drilled in my head by like by by mold and flood that said the song is king like you know that sort of thing and just do like to, you have to do justice to like the to to the song, like that sort of thing. And it's just like, when, when I was younger, probably like, you know, try to be showy, try to like, yeah, you know, I could do like this, 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 this. But then you just, and, and then he'll turn around and just go like, nope. And then he's just like, why? But it's, it's technically better. And then you, you sit back and you're just like, oh, I know. <laughs> so what if it's better? It, 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 it doesn't fit the song. Like, you know, that sort of thing. Kind of in that kind of. No, I, I definitely agree with that. It's kind of like the, um, you know, a very common thing with live sound is that like a, when you're when you do the job right, nobody acknowledges the sound man. But when you mess it up, everyone is like, this was the worst. The sound guy, you know, like butchered it. But when it's great, it's like, oh, the band is just amazing. Like no one thinks about the sound guy, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, completely. And that's great. Like, you know, that's like, you know, I, I want to be in the background for a reason. I, I'm not I'm not I'm not a superstar. <laughs> Well, and also no. too, it's like the, the artist <laughs> is the artist. Like they're, they're the feature here. It's not like, you know, you shouldn't be listening to like the Beatles and thinking like George Martin's amazing. Like, you know, screw the Beatles. Like, you know, it's like, like, you know, it would just take you out of that element and, and kind of ruin that band for you. If, if like you're focused way more on the mixer than, than the band. Right. So yeah, exactly. I guess like you, you do get fixated on it. As you grow older and like when you're like a, when you're into the production side of things, you're like, Oh my God. Like I, it's like that. What like George Martin did, like blah, 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 blah. You can like, you know, talk about that like all the time, but like as like a listener, you shouldn't as like an average listener, you shouldn't be like, Oh, George Martin is some fucking amazing. <laughs> screw, screw Ringo and Paul and all those guys. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> George is fucking amazing. <laughs> but but the band's amazing as well. Yeah. <laughs> They're all amazing. Well, it goes it's it's to your point, right? It's like they they made the song sound great. It wasn't highlighting the engineer. As for your process when you start your mix, like you talked about listening to the rough mix, 
Do you typically work in a specific order with your tracks? Yes, I do. Very boringly. Like I, like, I think it's probably like some people say it's wrong. Some people say like, oh yeah, that's cool. But like, you know, I usually start with like the boring, like same old drums, then bass, then guitars, keys, uh, guitars and keys and music stuff. And then vocals, like, you know, sort of like in, like gradually. And I sort of like try to like, um, I try to like make it into like a, oh God, it sounds terrible, but like I try to make it sound like a karaoke. Like you, you want to sing along. You just like feel like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, all, like, not, not all songs are like that, but like, you know, you, you feel like you're within the song and then you put the vocals in, get it sound like great. And you're just like, yeah, I'm in the mix. Like I'm in the song. Like, you know. Yeah, so you're kind of shaping the, it sounds like your process is kind of shaping the rhythm section first, getting that low end, getting that energy, then adding all the other sprinkly stuff on top. And then, and then, you know, the piece of resistance is like the, the vocals and just making that like sit on top of it all and, and have its, you know, it fitting that in the context of the mix. Yeah, exactly. I know some people who like do like, they do like, vocals and drums like they the the vocals never ever muted like the vocals is always in but i'm just not that kind of guy that's why i guess maybe i i work in on some kind of music and not some not not other kinds i guess it's all it's all about taste i guess like you know when you get to this point of of like mixing it's just like you know you 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 are literally paid for your taste i guess which is like, you know, you're from that school or like you're from the other school, which is like, you know, like, I don't know, like pop, pop mixing and out mixing or like something like that, which if you, if you took a gun and pointed at me, like someone would say like, oh, what's your style of mixing? I was like, I don't know. <laughs> like, can, like someone could point it out to me. Like, you know, I, I have no idea. Well, there, there's, yeah, you're right. There's like different needs in different genres and in the pop world, like, yeah, the vocal is, I mean, the vocal's king in, in, in all songs, really. But, like, when it's a solo artist, like, if you have, like, an Ariana Grande or something like that, like, her voice, her voice has to be, like, the loudest thing. And it has to be the most pristine, clear quality thing in the whole yeah. mix. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, one, one thing that I really admire about a lot of the mixes that you make is when I listen to your songs, I feel like I immediately just get sucked into the environment. Like I, I'm listening to the band in like the room, like I'm here in a concert hall listening to them, or I'm in like a small room. Like you do such a great job with the way you apply reverb in your mixes and it doesn't sound fake. It doesn't sound like overly saturated and like ginormous. Like I find that you do it in a really tasteful way that just really places me in the environment with the, with the band. And I was wondering like, what's your approach to using reverb in a mix? Like how do you go about deciding what kind of reverb types you're going to use or the reverb times or, and, and how do you go about applying it in a way that adds all of that width and that depth, but without sounding muddy? First of all, thank you. Uh, yeah, I, you know what? I'm going to tell you a secret. I don't think about any of it. <laughs> it's not like I don't think about any of it, but like, it's all like, oh, this needs a reverb. And I'm just like, bah, 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 bah. and then just like tweak it. And just like, oh, it sounds great. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, so it's, uh, it's kind of, uh, it's a non thinking thing where it got to a point where, which is kind of important, I guess, to a certain extent where I, I went to school. I went to a great school, a great university that taught me to be super technical. And then I got that beaten out of me by, 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 by Mulder and Flood, where they like, you know, stop thinking about the technical, listen to it, how it feels. And then gradually when you, you you've done it like so many times, it's, it, I don't use like the same reverbs like all the time, by the way, just so you know, it's not like, Oh, Reverb preset. Here we go. <laughs> yeah, but like, you know, it's just sort of like just comes and like, you know, you just like, you just use it and you just like, oh, this sounds great. So like, you know, made this like 10 types of reverb that I use, like, you know, all the time. But like, it's sort of like, I never think about like, you know, like, oh, this needs to be longer. This needs to be shorter. I guess it depends on the track or it's like, you know, it's just, I, yeah, I don't really go in like, like actively think about like oh this needs like this kind of like you know reverb it's just 
I, I guess that's like the thing about having like good training is just like it comes out of you naturally. If that makes sense, yeah, it, it does. But I, but I still feel like you, you, you're making decisions in the moment, right? Like, especially if you're saying you have ten different reverbs, there's got to be some sort of decision process of like, I'm gonna go to this one first, or I'm gonna like how to how like in terms of auditioning the sounds to find the right ones. Possible, yeah, yeah, that is very possible. But yeah, yeah, it's like very like it's it's not that like you know it's just like I've got this like um, auto reverb machine like one of the like that like i just like turn turn knobs like not like i know like what settings they are but like you know sort of like you just change it and it's just like oh, okay oh this sounds great and then you're just like oh this is a thing and it's just like yeah great so you're basically your process is going through like the presets on on your reverb units and kind of just starting from there and it's like whatever yeah. catches your attention right away is what you stick with yeah pretty much Gotcha. It's not. It's not what that. Uh, yeah, takes my attention. Is what doesn't take my attention. Probably fair. Yeah, it's that's a good like, point. Whoa, this is like too much reverb because that's when you know like there's a lot of reverb. No, that's that's actually a really good point because I think that a lot of people when they think of adding effects, they're thinking of it as an effect, and like it's got to be this thing that jumps out. And and you're you're saying like no, it shouldn't. It should just be. It should feel natural in the context of it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. She just help it out, I guess. Yeah, that's cool. What kind of reverbs are you using in your mixes? Uh, kind of, uh, I think like Valhalla, a lot of them. Uh, IK Multimedia, the Arturia stuff, the Wave stuff as well. Arthur Classic is just fucking like, it's one of those, it's sometimes like you said, diva, uh, like auto verb. Fucking, I, I've no idea. I need to check my plugin list, but like, <laughs> I'm recording at the moment, so I can't check that. The memory is, the memory is short when it comes to reverb or to like any plugin, to be honest. I'm just like, oh, what, what stuff do I have? But that, but that's cool too, right? I mean, like, it goes to show that you don't necessarily, I mean, it sounds like you're using stock plugins, you're using like premium plugins. It's kind of like whatever gets the job done is, is your approach. Yeah, yeah, completely. Whatever that gets the job done. There's no such thing as like, you know, it's, it's yeah. There's no such thing of like, you know, like ooh, diva, boo. But like, you know, sometimes diva's great. Works. And are are you ever messing around with like the? Are you messing with the settings on your reverb times, or, or are you just like literally just using like presets? Oh no no no! I do I do I I yeah hardly use presets like maybe i'll start with presets be like oh okay like let's use like oh this hole and then like uh, start with that and then like just like tune like the the reverb time the the pre-delay and like you know just like the eq of it like you know, sort of like just sort of yeah just everything really and then you just go like that was not the preset at all <laughs> <laughs> so i mean it really sounds like you are a you're a gut instinct type of mixer I, I try to. <laughs> I think maybe yeah. Now thinking about it, it sounds like it. Yeah, but but that's a really interesting way of approaching it too. I think that like there's kind of this like weird cycle when it, in like an engineer's uh, career where when you first start, you just you're just clueless as to what to do, and everything just sounds muddy and whatnot. And then you kind of like learn the technical way of doing things. And for a lot of the engineers, like that technical side, that's where they get stuck. They're just like, I'm always going to be all technical all the time. And then they kind of lose sight of the, the bigger picture. But it sounds like at your level, it's like you, you, you kind of started trying to mix from the gut. You weren't getting the results. You learned the technical side. And now you're going back a little bit to like mixing from the gut, just feeling what, what's right. Because you instinctively instinctively know where to adjust your controls to get that sound that you want. Because now you've learned that technical side, but you're you're mixing from gut, not numbers on like your you know I got to put this knob up to five or whatever you know. Yeah, yeah, you are completely right. I'm not just mixing by numbers, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, that is that that's like yeah, that's a good point. You're completely right, and yeah, that's like the best place to be, I guess. For sure. Well, I mean, you want to, 
to go back to your point of like what you learn from Flood and Alan, it's just like you're serving the song the whole time, right? And yeah, that's cool. What's uh, speaking of those guys and like, especially because a lot of your experience in like the in working in studios was like working for these guys. Like you, you were you were getting like the the training of a lifetime working with them, right? Yeah, so, definitely. <laughs> what would you say are some of the biggest lessons that you've learned as a result of working for those guys? Tough, tough to say, really. I guess uh, I don't know. I it's yeah, it's very very difficult question. Like, let's say just be yourself and like you know just yeah just be yourself and just like trying your best at everything yeah that's like kind of it's so simple but like you know it's like kind of it's completely true at the same time well I, I like that That that's a good answer especially because i think a lot of times when it comes to internships you know we're kind of told you're just supposed to shut up say nothing you know like you just you're kind of like invisible in the studio and but it also said but it sounds like they're they're they embraced who you were and like allowed you to be yourself in the studio yeah completely you are completely right i think like at the, at the start like probably like the first month or two like you know i was i was like quiet and then like they see like oh this guy like does like the things like you know that we ask him to like yada yada yeah and then just slowly like try to find out about this guy because like yeah I mean like no offense but like when you're a runner it's just like sometimes you just do like two weeks and that's it like you know so like not trying to be mean to anyone <laughs> but like it it's like you know it'll be insane to like learn everyone's life story and then it'll be like whoa. <laughs> But that's an interesting How much point too. Space, yeah. Like I think that the the idea of like the two week intern or whatever that is a very common thing, and and I don't think that it's because like there's only two weeks for you to show up. Like in your case, you're like I'm not leaving. Like you know, like you made yeah, yeah, you put yeah, your foot down and much. you just stayed, right? Which, but that wouldn't have happened if they didn't like you. So there was there was obviously like something in the way you like something in how you worked that made them see like okay, this guy is going to do the job for us and is going to like be who we need in the studio. Yep. Yeah. You're completely right. And I, I've got no idea. One day we'll find out. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, I need to probably ask them. It's just like, why, why did you just like, you know, was it to promote diversity? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <Love it. laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I mean, you definitely had a great, great opportunity there. And, uh, clearly like, I mean, you, you absorbed a lot of that great information and, and, uh, you know, turned it into, turned it into like an amazing skill set that you now, now, now implement into your own work. When it comes to your mixes, how long does it usually take you to finish a mix? It will take me about, uh, somewhat about 10 hours to get like the first like draft over probably. Sometimes even longer, I would say like there's like a like a estimate amount ten because twelve seems like it's very excessive, but sometimes it could be twelve <laughs> or even two days. Like I don't even know, and probably about about like uh, when it comes to like tweaks and everything, like about like two days in total. Probably gotcha. Interesting. Yeah, it's like, more or less. And are you starting all your mixes from scratch or do you typically use templates or how, what does that process look like? Uh, usually I start off by, oh, which is the great thing about like nowadays is just like it used to be when I started out with Alan, all the mixes were, all the pre-mixing was done on the board. So when, when you open up your Pro Tools session and it's just like, oh my God, there's nothing on it. And then you have to like try to like match like the levels and like the the EQs like that's usually done by like you know that Alan will get it on the board and then mix it. But like nowadays, like where produce produ production comes to this point where you actually you mix along as you go. So by the time you get the session over to me, it's usually like you know littered with plugins, not like littered. Like you know, it's it's there's plugins on top. There's like, you know, balances that like the band's like happy with and like stuff like that. And you just take it from there. So you're not starting from complete scratch. Gotcha. How do you know when you're done your mixes? Uh, where I start second guessing everything. And before I, before I, it's not when I'm done. 
I usually send the first draft off when I, I'm like, is this, is this, is this? And then you constantly like, well, is this better? Or is this? And then you just go like, fuck it. I'll just fucking just send it off. Oh, Christ. Sorry. <laughs> uh, I'll just send it over and see, see how I fare. Like, you know, if it's, if it's bad, if like, you know, they'll tell me rather than like spending like two days or three days and then just come back and say like, season, you know what? Uh-uh. And then you'll be like, oh, <laughs> I shouldn't have spent three days on it. I should have fucking, I should have gone with my gut and just gone, like, you know, send it over and see what they say. I, I love that. I think uh, it's interesting that you said it as like when you start second guessing, because I think that that's such a important point in your mixing process, because there for a lot, I mean, for a lot of people that are new, they're just kind of second guessing everything to begin with. And so you can't just stop at the beginning, but, but there becomes a point where once you get into that rhythm of, of mixing and you kind of like feel like it's starting to sound like a song. Once, once you're in that point there where it's like, this sounds like a song, everything's kind of fitting well in the mix. That's kind of like the spot, the spot to stop because, you know, to your point, that's where you start second guessing and then you can really undo a lot of yeah, your yeah. work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can you can do undo a lot of your work and then just to redo it again or just like yeah. And it's just a strange uh, thing where where you see like people like you know just I mean we're all human beings, so like you know you second guessing is very very common. It's not it's not very common. It is human nature, I guess, to second guess yourself and you just like you just know when to like slap your hand and just say stop. Either take a break from it or to send it off. And trust, trust yourself, like, you know, sort of like trust the process, like trust yourself. It's like a, a new thing that like I kind of recently got into is just like, just trust the process. Like, you know, just believe in yourself. If it's not meant to be, it's not meant to be. Mm -hmm. And this is also something that I find comes up quite a bit on the podcast too, is that like when you, when you make that call and you stop in the middle of your mix or you stop whenever you're starting to second guess yourself, that's kind of an important point anyway, because you can you could spend hours and hours working on a song, but then when you send it off to the band, like they might hate everything you spend all that time on. So you kind of have to just like get it sounding like a song first and then work from there, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, completely right. It's just like you could be, yeah, you could feel like you could send something and then it just be so far off from what they they want, and it just be like you could spend like another two days, three days, four days, and they just realize like, oh, you know what, actually, <laughs> bad move, dude. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I mean, just throughout this whole conversation, what I'm really picking up of this is that like you, your way of working is just so much from mixing from the gut and not questioning things because that questioning period is where things start to go crazy and you know you start to undo a lot of your good work and sometimes like you know it could be wrong as well like sometimes i do find that like when i trust myself a bit too much is when i get too cocky and then i just go like oh <laughs> see you should have fucking checked it <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there's definitely a fine Happens line, right? Like you don't want to try, yeah. try pushing the boundaries too hard. No, 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 for sure. I, I, I'm not like a. I not. I don't go out, and I'm not like a super confident guy. But like, it's just like you just have. I just try to like learn and like you know just like you know just move on. Just like there's no, there's nothing like you know. There's there's nothing. You you just need to keep walking, and just like yeah, just just move and just trust that like things will be there for you. For sure. Love it, man. Well, well, Caesar, I don't want to take up too much more of your time. I know you got a busy day ahead of you and you got some other, you got some travel plans that you got to take care of, but, but, uh, thanks. Thanks for being on here. If people want to learn more about you, what's the best way for them to do that? I guess go on to my grand man. What's <laughs> a terrible way of saying that. I think the uh, best thing is just like my Instagram, uh, Caesar admins. Yeah. Uh, going there or like my website this you know but like you know it's kind of websites like there like sort of thing like everyone has a website but it's not as like you know just contact me on like fucking on like on Instagram I need to stop swearing <laughs> <laughs> it's all good man <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah just contact me on like Instagram or like you know stuff like that like it's just more personal that way rather than like you know just being on like the website Perfect. Awesome. And lastly, are there any cool projects that you're working on right now that you can talk about? Uh, I think, uh, 
there's like the most recent thing that just came out was the I think it was the I just did like a Dolby Atmos like like uh track with for Inhaler this this Irish band I just did like the whole album and it was it's just very exciting for me like this whole Dolby Atmos thing but like I love like my stereo is like bread and butter Atmos is just like just the cherry on top <laughs> <laughs> of the cake but yeah that's like the like the most like the most 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 recent thing and like yeah that was very fun to work on it's just like yeah you should definitely try it check it out if you can definitely like as in like uh like spatial audio Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I'll definitely check that out. I, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely interested in learning a lot more about the spatial audio thing because it's, it's, it's becoming more popular. And, and from the couple examples that I've heard, it's been very impressive. So, uh, I'll definitely, I'm definitely looking forward to checking out your mixes. Cause, hey, like, like I said earlier on, like your mixes in stereo to me have always felt like they have so much like cool atmosphere to them. So I just know that taking that and putting it into surround setting is just going to make it that much cooler. So yeah, man, I'm really excited to check that out. Awesome, man. Well, well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Pleasure, man. So that was my interview with Caesar Edmonds, and that was a lot of fun. Caesar is a really funny guy, and we were just having a great laugh the whole time. Um, I love just his approach to how he mixes. He really doesn't overthink it, and I think that that is something that for so many home studio engineers, we tend to get in our heads too much. We tend to overthink our process, and. I mean, as we talked about in the interview, you have to definitely learn the technical side and you have to become proficient with the tools and you have to understand how to use them. But when you get to that level of knowing how to use the equipment, you can't start to approach your mixes from being too technical. You have to mix for the song. You can't be mixing by numbers or, you know, thinking you have to do things a certain way. You always have to be thinking of the bigger picture and serving the song. And that is definitely the way Caesar works. And if you listen to his mixes, you could tell that gut mixing definitely goes far. You know, when you have the skills to know what to do and you just mix from the gut and you serve your song, make it sound as good as possible, you can get great results. And Caesar's work is definitely a proof of that. So if you haven't heard any of his work before, I highly recommend that you check out his, his portfolio because there's just some great songs in there and his mixes sound incredible. So I hope that you enjoyed that episode, and if you did, please make sure to subscribe to this podcast so that you can get notified about all of the new episodes as they are released. Every Wednesday, we're going to be releasing new episodes, so by subscribing, you'll get that notification, and you'll be one of the first to actually listen to the episodes. So definitely make sure to do that, and also make sure to visit MasterYourMix.com. That's where I help out musicians with creating pro-sounding recordings from their home studios, and being able to do it without needing tons of expensive gear or fancy acoustic treatment. So visit Master MasterYourMix.com. And while you're there, we've got tons of great resources to help you out. And one of which that I want to draw your attention to is called The Mixing Mindset. This is a book that I put out a couple years ago. It became an Amazon number one bestseller. And it's all about giving you the step-by-step formula for creating pro mixes from your home studio. And inside, I walk you through my entire process from beginning to end of how to analyze your tracks and know exactly what to do with things like EQ, compression, automation, effects, and so much more. So that from beginning to end, you have a very clear idea of what to do with your tracks so that you can get your mixes done and be proud of the results. So once again, check that out. It's called The Mixing Mindset and that's available at MasterYourMix.com. That's it for this episode, guys. I hope you really enjoyed that and I can't wait to talk to you in the next one. We'll talk soon. Thanks for listening to the Master Your Mix podcast. To have your questions answered, submit your questions to questions at MasterYourMix.com. Please go to iTunes and subscribe and leave a review. And for more information on how you can improve your mixes, visit MasterYourMix.com.